and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And if you are a father who is ready to add another tool to your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. And even though I specialize in the dad-daughter relationship, you know that these tools will also work with your sons. And the reason for that is because it's all about you as a father becoming more equipped so that you can intentionally and consistently pursue the hearts of your daughters and your sons. Well, I'm sure you have this down by now, but the template that I use every week is on your mark, get set, go. So dads, I want you to envision yourselves standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach saying on your mark, which is the topic or the theme, get set is filling that in with stories and stats and go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today I have two guest coaches joining me who are dear friends of mine, Diane and Phil Comer, and this will be a power-packed interview because they're going to be talking not only to you as dads, but also to moms, which means that anyone listening will walk away with something that you can put into practice as a parent. Now, if you live in the area, you've probably heard of them because they planted a church 15 years ago called Solid Rock, which is now called Westside of Jesus Church. And though they're no longer on staff, they're still an integral part of the life of that church while spending a large part of their time now traveling around the world teaching and training parents in conferences that are called Intentional, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. If you haven't been to one of their conferences, go to intentionalparents.org where you will be able to hear more about what they're doing because it's vital and vibrant and it will equip you as parents. They've also written a book called Raising Passionate Jesus Followers, The Power of Intentional Parenting, and they also lead the Intentional Parents podcast. So the last thing I want to say about them is that that they have four married children, seven grandchildren, and I have seen firsthand the way they love and lead their family. So this is a couple who walks their talks, and I count it the highest privilege to have them here today. Welcome, Phil and Diane Comer. Ah, thanks. It's great to be here with you. It really is. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. And you and I are just fast friends and have been for a long time, so it's fun to get to see this side of your life. Oh, I love that. Well, today we have titled this, On Your Mark, The Power of Intentional Parenting. I mean, how could I not call it that, right? (laughs) I stole that from you. So for Get Set, how about if we just start with you both sharing how, maybe even why, you started this Intentional Parenting Conference many years ago? Well, you know, I think personally, it started for us when we, were, we, we weren't believers growing up. And when we came to the Lord and had our first son, John Mark, Diane likes to say, we had no idea what we were doing. But, but Jesus had so changed our life that we immediately wanted our own son to have the same walk with Jesus that we had. And so it was our goal just as parents. But as far as, as broadening it out to teaching others, it came out of our church that we planted. Uh, we ended up planting this church with our son, John Mark, and God moved in a powerful way. And after years, we ended up having literally hundreds of millennials who over a period of years got married, starting having kids. And it was our son and uh, our elders that asked us to put together a conference to train them because so many had come from broken homes or their parents weren't really making disciples of their own kids. So the need came right out of our church. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had never actually taught together on the subject, and it was a huge learning curve, <laughs> but, a, a, but a great joy. Really, this, the conference also comes out of the quest of our own lives. It's when we had our firstborn son and realized we had no idea whatsoever 
how to lead him to Jesus, let alone to lead him into a vibrant, compelling faith that would shape the whole rest of his life. And so I went immediately. I love to read, you know that. And I immediately went to the Christian bookstore, and I hoped to find a book that would just tell me all the hows, and it wasn't there. And so that set us on a quest of really discovering what do the scriptures have to say about raising up kids in the kingdom who will embrace the kingdom and want to follow Jesus. You know, and I just add, there was such a hunger for this. The first conference we did, we had to turn several hundred people away. Mm. And we thought, oh my gosh, there's a hunger for this. So we did another one, and then other churches started inviting us to come. So parents are really hungry to know Mm -hmm. practical and biblical ways to help their kids. You know, and one of the things I love about you guys is that you get up front and you don't just tell your success stories. You'll admit mistakes you've made, but I can tell you, and I say this, I'm not just saying this to your face, this is my truth, is I don't think I've ever heard such a, I I would say an alive, grace-filled, freedom-bathed message about how to parent kids out of the scriptures. You know, I go to the psychology conferences all the time, and I understand attachment and all these things about development, but the way you guys have unpacked scripture to make it come alive, oh my goodness, that's why I want everyone to hear from you, to get your book, Intentional, and you know, raising passionate Jesus followers is not something that I would say is a message we hear every day, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Mm It is, it is sad but true, but I think there's kind of a reawakening way back to Deuteronomy 6 I that agree. it's the parents' job yes. to pass their faith on to their kids and to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. Absolutely. Okay, well, let me just ask you then, speaking of intentional parenting, I use that word a lot here. Mm-hmm. I want dads to be intentional and consistent. So how about if we just talk a little bit more about intentional parenting? So I want to ask you just a two-part question. Number one, what does being intentional as a parent really look like? And number two... What do you believe gets in the way of a dad or a mom being an intentional parent? Well, I think, babe, you should take that one. I mean, we're intentional <laughs> about a lot of things, right? Really, we are. You know, we live in an intentional culture. We're intentional about the education that we get and continuing education to keep up with our careers. And, and because we want to we do well. We don't want to just kind of shuffle through life. We're intentional about marriage and who we marry, and, and we go to premarital counseling because we want to do be intentional about our lives. I mean, you know what? We're even intentional about things like the way we decorate our home. Right. You know, is it this yeah. style, is it that style? It hasn't always been that way in our culture. So you know, we realize that as parents, very few moms and dads start off knowing exactly how they're going to parent that child, what the scriptures have to say, what they're going to do, what they're not going to do, the language and vocabulary they're going to use. I mean, we're intentional about all these other things, but we're really not normally, yeah. most of us, intentional You're about right. the way Good we point. Kids. We certainly weren't. Yeah, you know, one of the things we talk about in our conference is the difference between goals and values. Mm-hmm. So a goal... Is, uh, is like the end of a race. My goal is to cross the finish line. Values are things that are important to us. And so uh, being intentional means what is your goal in raising your son or daughter? Mm. And if you're a follower of Jesus, your goal, of course, is that your son or daughter will give their life to him because you want to be with him for all eternity, right? Mm-hmm. And then you want them to walk with him and serve him because you want them to hear the same words you long to hear one day from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we say that's your goal, even as you pass on many values to your kids, how to work hard, uh, how to be a servant or whatever, this is your goal. 
And that's so would you encourage parents to write down their goals, like your big goal, right? Raising passionate Jesus followers, but breaking it down? Well, all throughout the conference and all woven throughout the book is a reminder, this is your one and only goal, is that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love their neighbor as themselves. We say loving God with passion, all in, and loving people on purpose. That's the goal. The values, though, come in. They're important. Values are really important, all the way from education and um, uh, working hard and all, all the other values that we talk about. Giving out. Yeah. But so the reason we say one goal is I like the way I like to say it is whether your son or daughter grows up to be a PhD or a plumber, whether they're a school teacher, married, unmarried. The goal is that they're walking with Jesus yeah. and they're bringing the kingdom everywhere they go and they're going to be with him for all eternity. Yeah. It, we're not saying the other things aren't important. They're, they're all part of it. But, but when you realize, oh, that's really what I'm, what's on my heart to yeah. do, then it, it helps the values come in the line where they need to be. So what gets in the way? That, that's the question, right? Is Okay, so yeah. parents are saying, I want to do that. That sounds really good. From all your interactions with people, what would you say gets in the way of reaching that goal? I think really two main things. One is we don't know what to do. We, we just don't know what to do. We don't have an action plan. We, we need people to come alongside us. And that's what hopefully Phil and I are helping to do is say, how do we make disciples of our own children? And number two, we're too busy. We're just mm-hmm. this culture we live in. We have to intentionally clear the table and say, this one thing I do, and everything we add into our lives has to fall under the category of, will this help my children become passionate Jesus followers, or not? Yeah, I just add to that, um, it's choosing the best thing. You know, in Philippians, it says we're to approve the things that are excellent. Sometimes you can be doing good things that are five, six, and sevens mm-hmm. on a scale of one to ten, and but it, it's, an, it's not allowing us to get to number ten. So things can get in the way. Uh, and I've seen youth sports get that way. Kids are just enjoying yeah. every sport, and hey, we're not going to be in church for a couple months because we're doing soccer. And maybe the parent doesn't doesn't mean to, but they're actually taking a value. That's a good thing. Sports keeps you in shape, teaches you how to work with with uh, others, etc. But but maybe the child is learning. Well, we go to church when it fits, and so maybe a value has gotten in the way of a goal. And then, of course, let's don't forget the spiritual warfare. I mean, we're going against. Oh, I'm culture. glad you're bringing that up. That yeah. that gets in the way, and so but greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. So we just press right through that. But it also uh, means that your kids may be angry with you for setting that boundary. Right, you're saying as a parent, this is a value of our family. Sure. So parents have to be willing to get the pushback, don't they, from their kids? Yeah, sure. But I think if when they see the reality of your joyful walk with Jesus, and they're growing up in a home that's saturated with His love, and mom and dad are loving each other, it's not really a battle. <laughs> but there is okay. this thing like, go get your. Are you sick? No. Are you dead? No. Go get dressed for going to church. <laughs> There's a time for that. That's awesome. Okay. Well, you guys, as I said, have been really open about mistakes that you've made as parents. So how about if we get a little vulnerable here? Would each of you be willing to share a story about maybe where you blew it in the intentional parenting department? We have so many of those (laughs) stories we could talk all day. And the reason, honestly, that we are as honest and vulnerable about this is because we feel like in our planting of our church, a millennial generation taught us what we didn't otherwise know about transparency and honesty. Mm -hmm. It's all over the scriptures, of course. You know, Paul said, I opened up my very heart to you, my very life to you. 
Yeah. And and seem to have even gotten a little bit hurt by that, by their trampling on that. So for us, that is, is and even for parents to open up their lives to right. their children and apologize and and be honest is essential. For me, the the biggest generalized mistake that I made when my children, especially were young, um, was a lack of encouragement. Um, I was quick to correct, to guide, to work with them, to teach, and then just expected them to get things right, you know, and just kind of moved mm. on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and I didn't realize how little encouragement I was giving until I began to see that my husband was able, that Phil was able to get this kind of cooperation that I wanted in such um, a fun and charming way. I mean, they wanted to please him uh-huh. in a way that I wasn't sensing for myself. And, and in, honestly, I had to learn a whole new language. There is a dialect or a language of encouragement I now see that is not so much a personality trait as can, mm. it, this can be a learned language. And it is, encouragement is no doubt about it, the most motivating, the easiest way to motivate a child to even to follow Jesus is, is through words of encouragement. Yeah, so oh, it took I love me that. years of learning, studying almost mm-hmm. people who are good at encouragement so that it could eventually become a, a language that... Um, comes easily now to me. Yeah. I wish I'd understood that when my kids were younger. Oh, thank you for sharing that. How about you, Phil? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'll share, but just picking up on what Diane's saying, she's not talking about, oh, wow, you're amazing. No. She's talking about character qualities. When you see servanthood, when you see, hey, I saw you were going to slap your sister, but you didn't do it. That's self-control. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, bringing encouragement, yeah. and Diane likes to say, for every correction or loving rebuke, there needs to be 10 well done. And so yeah. I think oh, good. Uh, children will become who you tell them, you see them becoming. So Absolutely. as you speak words of truth mm-hmm. over them, they'll want to rise to the challenge. For me, I don't think it's, I don't know that it's one massive mistake. It's just a, a lot of smaller ones, <laughs> okay. you know, so I, you know, losing your temper and, and then having to come back and apologize to your kids. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say that there's no perfect parent. We all blow it. We all make mistakes. There's only one perfect father. Our father is in, who is in heaven. And for the dads that are listening today, some dads think I'm already blown on it. I'm a failure. Why do I? Hey, we all feel that way, but it, we come to Jesus with our brokenness and he pours his grace on us. He picks us up and he gives us all we need to do what he's called us to do. Yeah. And so we need to remember, yes, we're not Jesus, but, yep. and, but and there's only one perfect father-son relationship between God the Father and his son, but, but we can go in his power and in his name and we can love our kids and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That is good. Well, one of the things you guys write about in your book, which I think is really worth unpacking today, is that concept of punishment versus discipline. When you think about intentionally steering your kids in a direction that's towards Jesus. Can you guys talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'm going to have Diane talk about it because she's really the one that discovered this through a word study Uh uh, in the scriptures. I did a word study in the New Testament and to my absolute delight discovered that the two words are defined differently in the original languages. Um, Punishment is you get what you deserve. And it's really a shame-based... and I might say this carefully, consequences for everything you ever do wrong or mm-hmm. say wrong kind of approach. It's a, it's a rejection. It's go to your room, go away from us. You don't deserve to be with us right now, sort of. Even if it's yeah. said in those words, that's the sense. And it leaves children hurt and sometimes damaged yeah. and pushes them away. Whereas um, pun- 
that's punishment. Whereas discipline is training and it's teaching and it's bringing our arms around of our children and drawing them close just as God does with us so that we can show them how over and over and over again, no matter how many times they blow it, we're there enabling them, helping them to do to make the right choices. Yes, it doesn't mean there aren't consequences to bad behavior, yeah. but you pull the child close and say, buddy, I love you, yeah. but you know that we've, we've decided in our home this is how we treat each other. And yeah. so I, there's really a difference there. You, mm-hmm. you know what I love about what you just said, which I've actually never thought about, is that punishment pushes away, it rejects, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you just even said, Phil, discipline pulls close. Yeah. Yes, it does. And I think about, I mean, my parents, you know, they, they read Dr. Spock to raise me in the <laughs> 60s. <laughs> I too. It wasn't about, here, let me pull you close. No. It was, you're going to get a swat. And this. Right. But I, I yeah. think the heart of the father, as you just said, is I'm going to pull you close. And the key is is taking the anger out of our response. Yes. Bingo. And if anger is part of our responses, perhaps just letting it go. At that moment, until we can get the self-control needed to do what the Father does to us, which is disciplining us out of relationship. We're so so close to Him that He he knows that what we're doing is going to make us miserable, and so... He is ultimately the cure, and that's really what the discipline is. Oh, I love that. Well, if you're just joining us today, welcome. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, here today with my friends Phil and Diane Comer, and we're talking about the power of intentional parenting. So how about if now you both address what is it like, what does it actually look like to create a dream or a vision for your family to be intentional Jesus followers? Because you talked a little bit earlier about having a goal or a vision, but I'm thinking some moms and dads might be listening that say, I I hear you, I understand that, but I never had that modeled. What does it look like to create a vision to raise intentional, I I guess I would say to be intentional, to raise passionate Jesus followers? Yeah, well, I I think you have to decide what your top priority is in raising your kids. I like to remind parents, your children are your legacy. And for Diane, it came from reading a book when our first son was only six months old, and you got a vision through reading that well, book. Well, yeah. I, I read a biography of Jonathan Edwards, Jonathan and Sarah Edwards and their family, which, you know, most, uh, I'm sure you know that in the 1960s, a long-time sociological study was done on their family because out of this, from the 1700s, when Jonathan Edwards was an evangelist, uh, Bible teacher in the United States on the East Coast, out of that family came generation after generation after generation of influencers, Mm. world-impacting leaders. And I'm reading this story, and their story really painted a picture for me of what God wants to do through every parent, that He wants to actually use us to to make disciples of our own children, and, and then to raise them to be able to bring his message of love and reconciliation and grace and truth to the next generation. Hmm. If all of us would grab hold of that vision, it, it, our whole world could be changed. Yeah. It's a big vision. It's wow. more than we just want to keep our kids out of trouble and make sure they finish college and get right. a good job. Right, right. It's so yeah. much bigger than that. And of course, we're not going to get it all. But, yeah. but if us as parents, if we're all understanding that's our job as, yeah. as believers, as Christ followers, to, to create this home in which 
you know, our kids still have to make their own choices. Yeah. And they will make choices just yeah. like we make choices that, that yeah. the father is not pleased with. But the fact that we're heading towards the goal of loving Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. That's that's the vision. Well, what do you do when you have a past? I've loved how you, Phil, in your book have talked about that, where you're like, I'm trying to lead forward, but I'm dragging some stuff from the past that's mm-hmm. getting in the way of my clarity. How's that impacted you? Well, you know, Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we're not to live in the past, but we're to learn from the past. And so sometimes we make a big mistake by living there thinking, man, I was a real mess up. I'm so unworthy. And it just uh, uh, can just cause us to just be stuck. And so we're not supposed to live in the past, but we certainly are to learn from it. So I think we teach our kids, hey, son, I messed up in this area. And you tell and, them and I your have story. This, of course, when it's appropriate, you yeah. know, in the teenage years. I mean, uh, Diane and I have different stories. I played in a rock band for nine years, and I never got into drugs, but I had problems in the area of immorality, and I have the scars from that. And so when I'm talking to my teenage kids about sexual purity and why to stay pure, and yeah. uh, I, I can, in a proper way, without giving a bunch of details, let them know that I don't want that to be your story. This is God's heart for you and how beautiful it's going to be. And so I think, I think that we we learn more from our failures than our successes. Our successes just make us arrogant. Good point. But, but in our failures, if we... We thank God for his grace, and then we uh, learn from them yeah. and and pass on the lessons that yeah. we've learned. It's a powerful thing. I know we're almost out of time, but one of the things you say in your book is that there are 10 things parents have to teach their kids. Could each of you just quickly share one thing from that list? To stand alone. You want to raise sons and daughters that when they leave your home, they know how to live by their convictions, that okay. they can move a thousand miles away, and they've already made their commitment to stay sexually pure, their commitment to walk with God. Stand and that's alone. A, I love that's that. That's your goal all the way along, to stand alone. Ephesians chapter 6, stand firm. I think for me, one of the most important things that I wanted to make sure my children thoroughly understood, not just intellectually, but in their very emotional response, is a theology of suffering. Basically, to understand things that when I suffered, nearly shipwrecked my faith. We wanted to make sure, and it's only really the parents who can do this. They can be taught it in Christian school. Their pastor can teach it. But it's mom and dad who can gauge that when unexpected things come up in their lives. Yeah. That your children realize this is not some sort of um, rejection by God. He hasn't abandoned you. This may not even be the plan of God, so to speak. Yeah. Like God didn't actually intend for all these awful things. He met us for the garden. Yeah. And understanding that God grieves with you instead of turning away from God in yeah. your hard times turning to God. And that, oh. to me, is such an important point oh. because we've seen so many children raised in these beautiful, yeah. godly Christian homes. They're following after Jesus, and then an unexpected suffering right. comes into their lives, and they turn away. Uh-huh. Their faith disintegrates. And that That's was good. my story for a long, you know, Michelle, yeah. for a long period of time. I just wanted to make sure that my kids didn't have yeah. the same story. Oh, that is so profound. Okay, last question. I always end every show with a ghost step. What is one go step that each one of you would give to dads and to moms or either or about a way to this week put into action some form of intentionally leading their children to be passionate Jesus followers? I would answer that question by saying this. Who knows how many thousands of dads are listening? So the go step might be different for every dad out there. So I'd say ask the Lord, what's the one thing he's asking you to do? When I preach sermons, I like to say, 
The Lord doesn't say, take 25 things from this and go do them. He gives us one. Mm-hmm. So for one dad, it might be, I'm going to start reading the Bible to my son or daughter. For me, it's like, I need to get this out of my life because you can't pass on what you don't possess. So am I a passion? I guess my go-to would be, ask yourself, are you a passionate Jesus follower? And if you say, you know, this needs to go or this needs to start, that's the go step. Do that next one thing. Love it. Diane. I would say something different but similar is is the power of prayer. Honestly, how is any parent going to create in their child a heart that just wants Jesus except through the power of prayer? And we know in Jose, he taught... God talks about alluring us into relationship with Him, and that's really what we need. We're just trying to set up that allurement. And so I would just say, pray for your kids. The one thing I felt I could do in all my immaturity in my earliest years, I wouldn't always discipline when I should or the right way. I wouldn't always get them to memorize Bible scriptures like I knew I ought to. But I could pray. That's one thing I could do for my kids. Oh, Thank you so much to both of you. Well, On Your Mark today has been the power of intentional parenting. You've heard from pastors, authors, and teachers, Diane and Phil Comer. So between today and next week, I encourage you to take their challenges to heart and put them into action. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com, where you'll find free resources and you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link to Amazon where you can find my book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart. You can also go to the Dad Dad Whisper podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been great to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you are intentionally and consistently investing in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go Dads! Go Dads!